0: Well, certainly enjoyed Brother Roger's uh, message this morning, and thankful uh, for you coming to be with us, and for the time uh, you took this week studying for, to to bring that message to us. And we did talk this week, and I asked Brother Roger what he was what he was studying, and um, we had an encouraging conversation. He said "scars," and that was the, a one word answer. And uh, then he kind of gave me some a preview, I guess, of what he's already given what he's what he's blessed us with today. And then he said, what are you studying? And I told him, and I said, but if that don't work out, I'm going to preach on scars. (laughs) So um, I will say my mind uh, uh, was was changed, I guess, yesterday, and I want to go back to Joshua chapter 3, where we kind of ended last week, Um, but I ask that you pray for me in the time that we do that. And if you remember last week, we looked at the question that God asked Jeremiah when Jeremiah was complaining to God, and God said this to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 12 and 5. It says, If thou hast run with the footmen, and they have wearied thee, then how canst thou contend with horses? And if in the land of peace wherein thou trusted, they wearied thee, how wilt thou do? Then how wilt thou do in the swelling of Jordan? And so what, what God is asking Jeremiah is, is, if in the times of peace and prosperity, in the times of uh, where, where there was nothing really going wrong, uh, you've been wearied uh, by those who seem to do wrong and prosper, or if you've been wearied really by anything in a time of peace, how are you? How are you going to make it uh, when you're faced with a really tough situation, like the swelling of the River Jordan? And you may remember as we talked about looking at Joshua chapter three, uh, when the people that were following Joshua, and Joshua. Uh, chapter three arrived at the river jordan uh, the river was was at a flood stage a lot most of the time the river's peaceful and tranquil but at the particular time uh, that they they come to this river uh, many believe it was over a hundred feet wide uh, it was it was a raging river and now israel is faced with going into Canaan but the the entrance into Canaan is completely blocked off so how the the question is how are you going to how are you going to make it when you're faced with these circumstances, when, you're, uh, when before you is a raging river, but you're trying to make it into the other land of peace, right? How are you going to make it? And so that's what uh, Joshua was faced with, the same thing that God is asking Jeremiah. And so as we talk about the swelling of the Jordan, uh, and when that comes our way, and I believe there will always be situations that you're going to face that you could say this is a, a, a swelling of the Jordan. Um, you know, we're always it's been said that we're either going into a storm or coming out of a storm or in the middle of a storm in life. Right. And many of us can can understand that. But but what are we going to do? What are we going to do at all times uh, to prepare for this? How are we going to how are we going to do before we face it? Um, and then I want to look really at what are we going to do during uh, times of the swelling of the Jordan or times of temptation and times of trial in our lives? And and and, and the one thing that we do at all times and I tried to make this point last week, is just rely on God. Right? Rely on God. Um, See, deliverance through the swelling of the Jordan to Joshua and the Israelites that were following him, uh, I I believe God purposed it this way, uh, but the the only way that the children of Israel were going to be delivered into Canaan, which God said they would be, was through the power of God. When they faced that situation, when they looked at this river, when they came there and they were following They knew that it would take. It would only be able. They would only be able to cross that river if God miraculously helped them. And 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 I mentioned the the the, what I called the God factor. And if any of you are like me, oftentimes when I'm faced with. And I've been faced with some of these in my life, praise God, not a lot of them. But when you're faced with times where you think, how am I going to get there? Seems no way that this situation is going to get any better. Oftentimes we forget that that God is still on his throne, right? And that God is still in the miracle business and that God is still able uh, to help us. Um, You know, our God, I was thinking about this week, our God can heal the sick. He gave he gave sight to the blind. He raised the dead. He created the universe through his voice. There's nothing that our God cannot do, right? He is an able God. I love that. How many of y'all just uh, sometimes I will tell Carrie, I said, I'm just not I'm just not up to it. I'm just not able to do this or to do that. And guess what? There are many things that all of us are not able to do. But our God is able. I love that, don't you? Um I love the the three Hebrew boys. You remember when they were faced with Nebuchadnezzar, and if they would bow to the image that he had set up or not, or they would and, and the penalty was, they would be thrown into the fire. And they said, we're not careful to answer the uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. He said, For our God is able to deliver us. They said, he has the ability, He has the strength, he has the power, He has the might. He has everything he needs to be able to deliver us uh from the burning fiery furnace. Remember John the Baptist was talking to some some Jews there that uh he he said this uh, he said that God is able of these stones to raise up the, the children of Abraham. <laughs> that was a that was a I guess a figure of speech that he was using but he was saying God's able to do whatever he wants. Do y'all see that? He's able to do that. Um, Paul Paul said that he was persuaded and he was convinced that God was able to keep that which he committed unto him against that day. He said, my life, which I've committed unto Jesus Christ, I believe that God is able to um, to keep me, to protect me. And I mentioned in the prayer request this morning that the closing of Ephesians chapter three, where he says now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Isn't that amazing? That says, what Paul is saying there to the Ephesian church is that, is that anything, and if we ask in His will, and, and we can ask for... Here's what he's saying, I believe. This This inspired me, and I haven't done this in a while, and I need to start doing it more often. I I, I have a prayer request list in, at home, and or oh, it's on my phone, actually, so it's with me everywhere I go. <laughs> I'm not addicted to the TV, brother. I'm addicted to the phone. Um, and... uh I put five big prayers on there. You know, a lot of times we'll pray. And and, and look, if you're in need and you were mentioning prayer today, that's probably a big prayer to you, right? But I put some big prayers on there. Things that I think there's no way that's really, if I'm honest, I think there's no way that's really going to happen. You know, I've seen some of, I've had to to take off some of those big prayers because I've seen them answered. Because God's able to do more than we can ask or think. I've had to do that. There's a song that, I, that Carrie and I really like. It's a contemporary Christian song. And, 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 and this I want to read these words to you because I love them. It says, My God is able to save and deliver and heal and restore anything that He wants to. It says this, Just ask the, the man that was thrown on the bones of Elisha if there's anything that God can't do. And then listen to this line. I love this. It says, Just ask the stone that was rolled at the tomb. In the garden, what happens when God says to move? <laughs> Don't y'all love that? Just go ask that stone what happens when God's Go ask Lazarus, as you mentioned earlier. What happens when God says to arise? You arise. When God, God is able to help us, right? He is able... And so in Joshua chapter three and verse three it says they commanded the people saying when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests the Levites bearing it then you shall remove from your place and go after it. When the ark that's being borne by these uh, by these priests when they go into the, they're going into this swelling Jordan he says you're going to go behind it. And the ark of the covenant symbolizes to us the presence of God. That's what the ark symbolizes to us today. And so what what we can gather from that is that God, you know, there's nowhere that we're gonna go that God hasn't already been, or that God hasn't already seen, or that God doesn't already know what's gonna happen. Isn't that amazing? I tell you that one of the things that 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 just uh, hinders me and and one of the biggest issues that I have in my life is if I don't know what's if if I don't have a pretty good idea about what's gonna happen, I'll just stay at home. (laughs) Carrie will get Aggravated with me, I'll say, what what's the plan? <laughs> what time are we supposed to be there? What are we having for dinner? What are we? If it's a if it's a function at, at, at your job, and I really don't know what's gonna happen, I'll come up with an excuse why I can't be there. <laughs> and it's hindered me so many times. I can tell you that many times I've gone into situations not knowing what's gonna happen and scared to death. And it can be social situations. If I gotta go into a room with people I don't know who they are, I'd rather just stay in the car. <laughs> I, I really, I may be preaching to you, but I'm pretty introverted, really. <laughs> um, but many times I've had, to, I've been either been forced to, or been, or, or have overcome, and I've stepped outside of my comfort zone and gone ahead, not knowing what would come, and I've had many blessings in doing that. And so a lot of times we're scared because we don't know what's going to come, but there's a God in heaven who is present with us that already knows what's on the other side. Isn't that amazing? And so he says, when you see the ark, you know that God's with you. In verse four, it says, yet there shall be a space between you and it about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way which you must go. For ye have not passed this way heretofore. He says there's... there's there's going to be a little space between you and, and the ark, the presence of God, that you may know which way you must go. So Joshua's saying here that God is going to be the one to lead you and guide you among the way. See, there's a way that seems right unto man, but the Bible says that is the, the way that seems right unto man ends in death. Isn't that amazing? There's a way that seems right unto man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. But there's a way that leads to life and peace and happiness and joy. And that's in following God. And so he's saying you need to follow God. And then he says this, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. He's saying to the children of Israel, you're going into a place that you've never seen. You're going to see things you've never you've never seen. You're going to hear things you've never heard. They'll and, and they're going into a place where there's going to be enemies and weather and terrain and all sorts of things. See, when you get on the other side of the swelling of Jordan, it doesn't mean that everything's peace and prosperity from then on out, right? but that God's still going to be there with you. And he says, you're going somewhere that you've never passed this way before. How many of y'all have, how many of y'all in the last year have have watched the news or read something on the internet and say, I have never seen anything like this in my life? (laughs) Well, that's what, that's what they were getting into. We've never seen anything like this in our life is what they're going to, that's what they're going to face. And so I mentioned last week that the first step is to prepare for it, right? To get ready. Joshua calls them in verse five, it says, sanctify yourself. And then really, we need to expect that God is going to move. We don't need to forget the God factor. He says, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. Well, that's encouraging, isn't it? Don't you know they were encouraged at that point that their leader who's replaced Moses, the one they're looking for, he says, sanctify yourselves. Get ready, boys, because tomorrow God's going to move. And, you know, I can't tell you that tomorrow, whatever's whatever's facing you in your life, I can't tell you that tomorrow God's just going to. He's going to say he's going to roll that tomb away or that stone away from the tomb or he's going to say arise. But I can tell you this, God's able tomorrow, tomorrow, tonight, right now. To intercede in your life and change things big time. Isn't that amazing? So he says, be prepared. But I want to talk about what we do during, during uh, when we enter into those. See, we could retreat and, and they could have done that. The children of Israel could have retreated and said, that's too much. We're not going to go through this. That's crazy to think that, that thousands, millions, I don't know if people are going to get through this. No, men can't even swim through the river. It's, it's just too much. And they could have said, well, we're just going to go back and live the life we've been living out here in the wilderness. And never experience the blessings that were on the other side of that river. See, to experience the blessings, you've got to actually step into the river, right? And so, what are we going to do during it? And 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 here's what I want to try to try to look at for the rest of my time is we got to, uh, what well, I'm going to call it, we got to get rooted and stay rooted. We got to stay firm. So look at, look at this in Matthew chapter 13. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but in verse uh, it's the parable of the sower. Uh, verses 20 and 21 says, But he that received the seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon or immediately uh, with joy receives it. Yet he hath no root in himself, but dureth for a, for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he is offended. Jesus is explaining in this uh, section of Scripture the different uh different ground or the different groups of people and how they received the word and how they uh how they received the word of God and their response to the word of God. And he says, for these people uh that were in the stony places, he, he says they received the word and, and it brings joy for a moment. Uh they receive it with joy immediately, but he says yet he has no root in himself. And and right there, Jesus is getting to the root of the problem with this group of people, right? Uh, the 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 underlying cause or the reason uh, that they don't endure is because they have no root their their foundation is weak y'all seen that um you know the the the, the root of a tree or the root of a plant is going to determine uh, the strength of that tree or plant right the root cause you can go to the root cause you can do a root cause analysis and say why are these things happening you may see symptoms of something but you got to go back deeper and say what is the root cause of this Bible would say that the the love of money is the root of all evil, or all kinds of evil, is what that means. So you can say, why is all this evil going on in the world? Uh, well, the first place you might want to look is follow the money trail, right? Because most evils caused by a love of money. That's the root. It's the it's the the root is the means of growth. It's what it's what preserves. Uh, it's what sustains a plant. And so he says they have no root in themselves. That they dureth for a while. They last. They continue. They endure for a short short time. But listen when tribulation or persecution arises because of the Word, and we're more likely going to face tribulations and persecutions because of the Word of God than, than any other reason in our life, when pressure or oppression comes, when they begin to afflict uh, pain or punishment because of your religious creed, he says when all that comes, by and by, immediately or straightway, he says he is offended. This group of people is offended. That, that means they're tripped up. The word word offended really means they're caused to distrust someone that they ought to trust and lean into. And because of persecution, because this this oppression came, they back away. And so what Jesus is saying there is there's a group of people that they're not rooted, they're they're probably not uh, nourishing the root like they should. And when they face the swelling of the Jordan, when they face a situation that's going to be Oppressive. It's going to be boisterous. It's going to be violent. It's going to be hard. They back away and they're offended. And they may be worshiping God. And I believe they will be worshiping God around the throne one day. But in this life, they begin to draw away from the one they should be pressing into. And I don't want that to be me. Do you want that to be you? I don't. And so to avoid being like these people from the parable of the sower we've got to get rooted and stay rooted and we have an example of that in Joshua chapter 3 with the priests who were going to bear the ark of the covenant and the priests are the leaders the priests are the ones who uh, of course Joshua would be the main leader I guess of Israel but the priests are going to lead the people out with the ark they're going to be the ones that they follow and so this is this is a good this is a good lesson for pastors for preachers for deacons for dads, for moms, for grand, grand, Listen, every one of us in here. Most of us, I guess, maybe there's a baby or two, that. But if, if the baby's in a room with a bunch of other babies, it's true of them too. We're all leaders in some way, right? Somebody is. Somebody is going to influence you to do or not do something, right? You you have influence on people. And so that's what they have. And so in verse 8, it says, uh, Thou shalt command the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you are come to the brink of the water, you shall stand still. That means that word means to get established. You shall stand still or get established in the Jordan. You're going to go down into this violent situation. Verse 13, it says, And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the Ark of the Lord the Lord of all the earth shall rest. That word means to settle down. As soon as their priests, the feet of the priests shall settle down in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come from above, and they shall stand upon a heap. In the 15th verse of Joshua chapter 3, it says, And as they that bear the ark, these are the leaders here, were come unto the Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped into the brim, or the outside, the border of the water. For Jordan overflowed with all his banks at the time of harvest. As soon as they were dipped in, that the waters that came from above, they rose up, and, and that's when the waters began to pass. So the, the word I want to get there is it says, it says, the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped into the brim. So they were told, you're going to go in, you're going to stand still. They were told you're gonna to go in, you're gonna rest, you're gonna settle down. And here it says they, they go to implement it, and what do they do? It says they dipped their feet into the brim of the water. They're getting rooted, right? That word dipped means to plunge. You ever been to the ocean? You know, maybe you've been to Orange Beach or, or Panama City or somewhere, and you're you get you get out in the you know about this high or something, if it's on me, and that water begins to kind of. Knock you over, right? It doesn't take much water to knock you over. And if you're like me, I get my feet and I just start wedging them down into the sand, right? And the, and the, and the, and the waves come and they don't move me. Because I've plunged my feet, then i become secure, right? I've become established on a, on a better foundation. And that's what the priests are doing here. They dip their feet. They're getting rooted. And so, if you and I, when we're faced with these violent situations... When we go into them, if we go into them on our own strength, if we go into them thinking, well, well, my parents will be able to help me, or my government will be able to help me, or my job will be able to help me, or my own strength will be able to help me. It doesn't take much water, does it, to knock you over. You've got to get rooted. And the only root we have is in God, right? He is our strength. Colossians says this, Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7 says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus, walk ye so in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. You say, When I am faced with these situations, how am I going to get through it? Paul is saying, You have someone that you can plunge into that is a strong foundation. It is Jesus Christ. You can be rooted and built up in Him. Not only does He root you, He builds you up and gives you more strength. Rooted and built up in Him, and and look, established in the faith. You have a He said you have a personal relationship with 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 Christ, but not only that. When you're rooted in, you become established in the faith. Where do you get that through the church, right? If, if you get no other point from me today, I try to push this push this on you because it's so important. You can't separate. Being rooted in Christ or having a relationship in Christ outside of the church. You cannot do it. They go hand in hand. The church was so important that He sent His Son. Not only to die for us, but to establish it on this earth. It is the most important organization you're a part of. And it will be. And it will always be. Isn't that amazing? It will always be here. That's what, that's what Paul said in, in Ephesians chapter 3. when he he talks about Him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think, he ends that. He says, according to the power that worketh in us unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. The church is the place in which God receives glory. If you say, I'm going to glorify God, but I'm not going to be a part of His church, the Bible says you can't, you can't, actually glorify God in the way that you should glorify God you can't uh, um, you can't glorify him to its fullness unless you're a part of his church and glorifying him in his church and then he says because God gets glory in his church through Jesus that the church will be here until the end because that's the organization that he's established to glorify him isn't that amazing world without end amen And so he says you can be rooted and built up and established in the faith. Um, Evie Grace and I talk, she taught me this uh, about wise William and foolish Fred. And if you're William or Fred, she came up with that, not me. So ask her about it. Um, In Matthew chapter seven, Jesus says this at the ending of this sermon. He says, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon the rock. And when the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house, sounds like the swelling of the Jordan, doesn't it? When the winds came, when the storm came, when the winds blew, the water came, the floods came, and it beat upon his house, it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, Shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Now, I want you to notice there, both of these, both of these. So, wise William would be the one that heard it and did it and built his house upon the foundation that is Christ. And foolish Fred, there would—I wrote this in my Bible. He'd be the one that hears it, but he doesn't do it. See, the, the word of God, which Joshua was going to call them together and say, "Hear the words of God," in Joshua chapter three, the word of God is not just good enough to come on Sundays and hear it. You've actually got to implement it, right? The teachings of the Bible, the the what what Christ did for us—it's not enough for us to just know it. We've got to actually place our faith in it. And 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 understand what it means for us, because if we just hear it, there are a lot of things that I know a lot about, but I couldn't do them because I've never done them. Right? Uh, I can I can go online. I could go on YouTube today and and watch how to build a car, but if tomorrow they said build the car, I wouldn't be able to do it because I've never done it. I went to a football game one time with a buddy of mine, an Alabama football game, and. There was a guy beside us, and look, there's a lot of things that get on my nerves, but one thing that gets on my nerves is the, is the guys at the game that are like yelling at the, the, the players or the coaches. First of all, they can't even hear you. There's 100,000 people in this stadium. I doubt Nick Saban's going to go, what did he say? Hey, boys, we got to run left next time. Or quit running the ball. Second of all, these are boys. I mean, I'm talking about, I'm, well, I guess college is more professional now, but I mean, these are 18, 19, 20 year old kids. I won't go there, but because I've been there, but if you're a grown man that gets real upset about what they do with the ball, you got issues, man. You got big issues. But this guy was beside us, and the entire time, He kept saying two words. I'll never forget them. Fullback blast. Fullback blast. Over and over. Fullback blast. Now, if anybody, some of y'all be saying, what is he talking about? If you grew up like me, and I'm sure a lot of the younger folks here, you played either like Madden football on PlayStation or NCAA football on PlayStation, right? And they had, I don't know, maybe 50, 100 plays you could choose from when you're playing football, and one of them was fullback blast. And I guess that guy loved that play <laughs> when he was playing on his PlayStation. I mean, I could look at him and say, he's never played much football. I can remember. <laughs> and I don't know, Brother Wesley could tell us. He's I, I don't think at Sanford or UAB or Alabama, they've got a play called Fullback Blast. I think they put that on the game because that's easy for dummies like me to understand, right? And so I've always thought about that guy. I wish they'd have called him down from the stands and said, we're getting ready to run the Fullback Blast. And you're the fullback. I can guarantee you how he would have responded in that situation. He knew a lot about how you snap the ball and who you hand it to. But he wouldn't have done well in that situation. Y'all understand that, right? The wise person is the one who not only knows what to do, but implements what to do and grows in that and becomes rooted and built up in that, in the Word of God, and what Christ says to do. and so we're to get rooted. And you can start doing that now, right? You can you can always do it as you prepare, get rooted. But when the troubles come and you've got to step in, the thing you don't do is flee away. You anchor down until the storm passes by, right? Because we get rooted and then we got to stay rooted. Listen to, listen to Joshua chapter 3 verse 17. It says, and the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm. They were faithful. They were established. They were settled. It says they stood firm on the dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, in the middle of the storm. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over jordan and you know what that you know what that tells me moms and dads and preachers and grandparents and and leaders is that we don't stand firm for ourselves we stand firm for the sake of others y'all see that if we give in if we back down what's it going to mean for everybody else that we love around us if the priest would have got scared and retreated, all those that were in the midst would have been engulfed by the violent storm of the swelling of the Jordan. And it says they stood firm. They stayed rooted. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, after the uh, teaching on the resurrection, says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, in light of all this, be ye steadfast. Be you settled, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. What was the labor there? The labor was to, was to stay immovable and steadfast and firm. And he says your labor is not in vain. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10, says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand, to stand firm, to not back down, to be faithful in the evil day, in the times when the swelling of the Jordan comes, when bad things happen. You take on this armor so that you'll be able to withstand and having done all to stand. Having given everything you have to stand, whatever it costs you to stand. And let me tell you, the apostle Paul was not talking about the tax rate or defense spending. He was talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? I, I'm not going to give everything I have so that my political party may get their ways. But when it comes to the ways of Jesus Christ, I want to stand. What about y'all? What about y'all? He told the Philippians, therefore, my beloved or my dearly beloved, my brethren, my dearly beloved and long for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. All right, men, boys, me. I mean, everybody can do that. But listen here, guys. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13 says this. It says, watch ye stand fast in the faith. So this is be alert. You know what that TV and that phone does to us? We're not alert. We have no idea what's actually going on in the lives of our family, in the lives of our, our own lives. <laughs> it's, it's so amazing that you talk about the news or whatever that may, you may get on your phone. Uh, they, they sell you the idea that you'll be well-informed and knowledgeable and you really have no idea what's going on all around you. He says, watch ye, stand fast, be firm, be fixed in the faith. Do you see that? Not in Traditions. Not in the ideas of man, but in the faith that was once delivered to the... That is the most important thing that we have to stand for, is the faith. I'm not interested in standing for your traditions or your opinion. I'm interested in standing for the faith. He says, stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. That word, he says, quit you like men. That means play the man Act manly. And you know, we can look around in our country and say, what has happened to the church? What has happened to our nation? What has happened to our schools? What has happened to our families? It's because men have decided that we want to be boys until we're 90 years old and then go home. We want to play video games all night. We want to, we don't want to man up and do what it takes to be manly. Do you see that? We, men have decided they want to be perpetual boys and the churches of this world have figured it out. They figured, they figured out how can we entertain boys forever. <laughs> That's not what we're called to do. Guys, I'm talking to the guys of Vestavia Primitive Baptist Church. We need to be men. And it's not about, it's, 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 it's not about how much money you have in the bank or the clothes you wear, or the job you have. That's not what being a man is. But being a man is strong and standing for the faith and watching out for those that were. that we're tasked to watch out for. That's, that's what being a man is, right? I heard Brother Luke Hagler preaching on Valiant Men the other day. I, I recommend that to you from Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church's uh, podcast. And he said, he said, being a man doesn't mean a six-pack doesn't get you anywhere. <laughs> Talking about your abs. <laughs> I've heard it said, unless you're a teenage boy or a professional athlete, you don't need a six-pack. <laughs> That's, that's my life verse. <laughs> but I tell you, being mentally strong and committed to the Lord and the church, that's what being a man is. Brother, Brother Roger, I've picked on him. He called me a few months ago and said, let's go get something to eat for lunch. And I said, where do you want to go, Brother Roger? He said, chicken salad chick. (laughs) I thought, what kind of man eats a chicken salad chick? (laughs) By the way, the buffalo chicken at chicken salad chick is awesome. (laughs) And I kind of joke about that with him because it's a funny name for a restaurant, right? For two guys to go in and eat chicken salad together. Uh, But I'm an insurance salesman. This guy's made his living in mines. (laughs) Which one's more manly? (laughs) Right? And here he is today, continuing to stand for the faith that he delivered us. That's a man. You're not going to find the NFL today, most of those guys aren't men. They won't tolerate real men in those organizations. The men that are portrayed on TV, those aren't men. The people in this church, the people, the pillars of this church, the ones that we've looked up to, the ones who have who have sacrificed their time and money so that this church might thrive those are men and boy that's that's the that's the kind of that's the kind of that's the kind of men I want my son to look up to, and so maybe we have to facilitate that as dads I know I've gone way over time, but I can tell you, it's easy to preach and hard to do. And you say, maybe you become like me. You're tired of standing firm. You feel like you're standing firm alone. You feel like you're in a wilderness by yourself. Um, I can tell you the best way I've ever found to stay motivated is to look to Jesus Christ who stood firm for me. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Wherefore, seeing... We also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And here he's talking to a group of Hebrews who are being persecuted uh, for converting uh, to follow Jesus Christ. He says, Let us lay all that aside and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. See, the race that is set before us, the race of life, my friends, is not a, a marathon, it's not a sprint. You're just not giving it all you've got for five seconds. It is a marathon. And he says, let us run with patience. That means let us stand firm through all the trials. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. This is your motivation to stand firm. For the joy that was set before him endured. He remained. That is to abide. (laughs) To endure means not to recede or flee, to bear it bravely and calmly. Who endured the cross, despising the shame? He didn't. You talk about the swelling of the Jordan. And not even answering a word as they plucked his beard and they whipped his back and they spit upon him and mocked him between two thieves. And they cast lots for his clothing. And when he said, I thirst, they gave him vinegar to wet his lips. But he didn't, he didn't back down. And he said, He is now sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradictions of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. I don't know if you're weary in the land of peace, if the footmen have wearied you, but if you are, look to the one who didn't grow weary, the one who didn't back down, the author and finisher of our faith, the captain of our salvation, Jesus Christ. And I think that'll motivate us to stand a little firmer. What about y'all? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for Brother Roger for his message, for the scars uh, that were inflicted upon you for our healing. And God, we pray that uh, for the men here today, that we we could really be men. That we could be what our wives need and our sons and daughters need. That we could fight for them and and I pray for me and for all of them here that we could we could we could fight off all the influences of this world and focus on on the people that matter most and the things that matter most. And that if nothing else, at our funerals they could say these men stood firm. We ask it all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.